This is Particularly Baptist, a podcast of Emmanuel Baptist Church. It is June 12th, 2020. This is Pastor Steve Meister. I'm here with my brother, Pastor Robert Briggs, and my other brother, Russell Lowry, one of the members of our church here at Emmanuel Baptist. Good to be with you guys. Good to see you. Good to see you too, bro. We're uh, encouraged to get together today, and we're going to have a conversation um, responding to and interacting about some of the things going on in uh, our society today that's um, not actually coronavirus-related. This may be the first podcast we've done, episode five, that's not related to coronavirus. Uh, But the other matters that are um, surrounding the uh, recent killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis, and then really just the, the protests and then riots that have come in response to that, and discussing as a church and as Christians, um, some of the things that we need to be considering for this. And we invited our brother Russell to join us. Uh, Russell has been a good friend of mine now for over a decade. He's a, we, we've invited him because he's a churchman. Uh, he's a Christian. Uh, he is a great father and cares deeply about God's glory in God's household in the church. And uh, he's also had a long-time career in politics and society and thinks about these things. And since we are not um, visual here. We're on a podcast. Russell's also African-American, so he knows uh, a little bit about the so-called black experience. Would that be fair? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so so we thought it would be good to uh, uh, widen our conversation and discuss some of these things and and um, uh, think about uh, what we, what we want to think through as Christians as a church at this moment in our culture and society. That sound fair enough? Sure. Yeah, looking forward to this time with Russell. Russell, maybe you, as the as the uh, um, new member here in our conversation, maybe just give us in a couple minutes uh, your testimony, how you came to Christ, and and just where you are in life at this point as a as a man and a Christian. Sure. Uh, yeah, the most important thing about me is that uh, Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my my sin. I, I, I imagine that he had me in mind uh, as he suffered, bled and died, uh, not just for me, but for all those who would believe in him. Uh, and the most important uh, part of my identity is my union with Christ, and, and that's precious to me. Uh, it I got saved in the spring of 1997. I uh, I had traveled uh, in Germany for uh, several months and got to know the people, and I was writing a letter home to my friend describing an experience coming back to America and looking forward to settling down and uh, getting married and going to work and going to church and 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 it was an odd expression for me to write in the letter to my friend, like, Neither of us was Christians. Why did I write church? He's a good friend. I'm writing a personal letter. Um, And I was curious, why did I write church? I didn't scratch it out. I just kept going with the letter. But that question started raising in my mind. Um, I came home. I picked up a Bible. I started... um, I was job hunting. I'd read the Bible. I'd go job hunting. I'd come back. I would read the Bible some more. And I, I literally had a yellow tablet of do's and don'ts, and I was exploring this church question, and I wanted to read from the Bible specifically what it told me to do and not do. Read through Genesis, uh, good stories, Exodus, it's getting better, hit Leviticus, and said, well, this is Old Testament, let me get to the New and then, and then, uh, many Christians do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 I got to the Gospels. These are good. I'm reading nice little stories. Um, I get to Acts. The story's good and interesting. I get to Romans, 
and uh, and God saved me. I read uh, I read uh, about the suppression of truth and unrighteousness, and there was something about my list of the law that I still had open, and I'd been writing it through the Gospels. What am I? Ne- I, I wish I'd saved it. It became noxious to me when I got saved, but I had this. It was a legal tablet. Uh, don't do this, do this. And that's what I was reading the Bible for to see those things. And and uh, I had some, but it wasn't as many as I'd expected. And then I get to Romans and, I, and God just was very clear in his word. And I saw, I went to bed. Um, I went to bed and I, I was so worried about being duped, like being faked into some sort of religion. Um, I called out to God and said... Um, if this is true, let me know. Let me know. And I, it was an anxious night and on my bed and I prayed and um, I woke up a Christian. I mean, I, I mean, he, I may have been a Christian before that. I'm not, but there's been no, no moment in my life since I woke up that morning in 1997 that I was a Christian. Um, God quickly led me to a church, provided me with believers and, and uh, around me and, and grew up. Um, I've definitely made a, a variety of different mistakes, um, still cling to my Bible, um, have a fuller theological understanding. Uh, my time at IBC has been uh, one, uh, surrounded by people who, who know their and love their theology and their Bibles as much as I do, and in cases of theology, uh, have opened my eyes to see and understand covenant theology better. It's been a, a primary growth thing um, for me, and then uh, understanding the confession, which I embrace and enjoy reading, and then um, and just really being ministered to as we have this conversation, The uh, and I particularly notice that the three months we've been gone, but man, the importance of liturgy, and, and just the rhythm and Amen. pace yeah. of a morning and evening, um, we're, I think we're able to have this conversation, um, because I don't know exactly how it's going to go, but you've demonstrated your love for me week after week, day after day, hour after hour, um, uh, uh, primarily through the ministry of the word, which means because of our shared union in Christ, I'm not, we, we could, we could disagree on these matters and I won't doubt your love for me. And I would expect to see it expressed Sunday after Sunday in the liturgy of the church. Um, man, uh, side note to end on, but, uh, that's the picture of the church, not the, not the random comments on Facebook and, and Twitter and the picture, um, anyway, so that's, that's basically my story. Yeah. Thanks brother. That, that reminds me, we need to do another episode and have you on and talk about hear from you. What's the pastor's job? Because you have a lot of good spiels on getting pastors picking bad job descriptions. Yeah, so. and teaching them to the church, it's a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Reject those. Get, get More get behind me, Satan, for stuff yeah. that doesn't belong on the pastoral job description. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe um, I, I thought it would be good. What first sort of sparked the idea of including you in this discussion, I knew eventually I'm like, well, we need to start talking about these things. Of course, we're having conversations pastorally with members of our church about all that's going on um, around us with the the protests and the Black Lives Matter movement, for lack lack of a better you know phrase for it, label for it. Um, you tweeted um, uh, an article that Shylin wrote. Shylin, a uh, well-known African American Christian rapper, who and and 
he said, because he said this is a compliment, I'll say it, that I, I don't generally appreciate or like rap, but I really like his stuff. And mm -hmm. he communicates. It, it reminded me of the uniqueness rap has to communicate um, content and material. And so God's goodness, just in that expression uh, of musical genre, is really helpful. And he's great at it. And I've even recommended in our, our study of God's attributes some of his... Uh, <laughs> you want to understand, you know, simplicity? Listen to this song. <laughs> you know, um, But he wrote an article, George Floyd and Me, and then that is put out by the Gospel Coalition... And you, Russell, tweeted it and said, I don't know a black man, something to the effect of, I don't know a black man in America who couldn't write something like this. Mm -hmm. uh, would you maybe maybe kick us off and elaborate on that and maybe your uh, what you thought reading his article and, and then behind your, your promoting of it? Yeah, the... The, he had as a series of vignettes in there about uh, different indignities that he had suffered as a black man. And... Um, I teared up when I read it um, because I could re instantly rewrite a similar instance for every single one of those vignettes um, and the common experience um, that uh, that so many black uh, people have of these experiences and um, and I think it gives the the sort of the moral weight and agency to the protest that that to the pe degree people are taking it in a million different directions and using it for their own purposes um they're organizing around this genuine expression of of emotion that's associated with what Shylin wrote and i don't think um I don't think there's any progress uh, to be made on these issues until, um, without understanding that dynamic. Do you, do you sense that most um, Christians who are not African American get that, or what's your what's your, you know, barometer, a sense of where we are, uh, you know, as a as a church in glittering generalities? In glittering generalities, I think. Um, I'm not a person that's had a lot of these conversations over the years um, because it hasn't been necessary. Um, I don't have a, I don't believe I have a right to be understood. I can't ask you and demand that you understand my life experience and what shaped me to be the person that I am. I don't, I, I can't demand that of anybody. Um, and so I don't. And, and most people have not been interested. So I haven't had to talk about it. It's it's who I am. It's my life, and and most people are just not that interested. Um, I got involved in these conversations because people started asserting things about my life that weren't true, and and saying that the, these things didn't matter, that they were colorblind, that that uh, that uh, that stuff was in the past, that was history. There's no need to address this. There's no issue today. Well, now you're speaking to my experience. And now I'm speaking as a corrective and, and that's a, that's a different, it's a different conversation. So, um, it's one benefit that I think will come out of this horrible time that we're in is, is I've been so encouraged by so many people who didn't know, have paid attention, lots of conversations, lots of talks, lots of exchanges, and now they understand a little more and they're not signing up for a Black Lives Matter 
petition and, and protest movement. They're saying, I understand that situation in a way that I couldn't tell me more. So a common sort of response to the foment uh, right now is, um, well, we're Christians. Christians should be colorblind. Uh, another common one would be, well, all lives matter. Why should we, you know, highlight any to highlight anyone is to be inherently, um, you know, reversed racist or mm-hmm. these kinds of things. What's wrong with in your in your understanding with those kinds of common responses? Um, it denies it denies uh, an element of what shaped me. My primary identity is as an image bearer of God that has a unique union with Christ, and so as a Christian man. That's who I am. Uh, and then the race relations in America and, and around the world have shaped who I am as a person. And if you're, if you're blind to that, again, I think you have a right to be. Um, I, again, I don't have the right to command that you understand my experience. But if you elevate that as the goal, now you're saying that that which helps make me who I am is is eradicated and and that'd be a shame we'd we'd miss out because ultimately i think god is glorified when i recognize this shape and still elevate my union with christ and if you elevate what makes you you and we we come from different ethnicities and different countries and cultural backgrounds sort of biblical language of of every tribe and tongue and nation, um, that God sees and made all that, and that we all elevate Christ above these other identities, then God gets glory. If we eliminate that stuff, well, God created it, He and we're we're robbing God of glory. It's a it's a standard that makes for peaceful interaction. I've had a good life and a good career and a wonderful existence. Um, but colorblind is a lower standard than what God calls us to. He calls us to recognize it and prefer and elevate him. And that brings him more glory. Yeah. Yeah. That, that our unity is not a uniformity or a, right. uh, a homogenization. Um, and it's been interesting meditating on acts two for the, for preaching this coming Lord's day. Uh, and there's a lot of talk on the, gift of tongues in relationship to Babel. And, and a lot of interpreters take it as God is reversing Babel. And, and I think when you look at it, though, no, he's not reversing Babel because we don't all go back to one language um, and that he's actually redeeming the judgment of diversity and confusion at Babel and making a harmony where there was once discord mm. and that the unity of the church is actually deeper than the level of us all having the same culture or same you know, linguistic basis. Um, but it, it actually goes to something much deeper. And just as you point out, made allusion to passages like Revelation 7, 9 and others that, that the bride of Christ is from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And they don't seem to, as we look forward to the new heavens and new earth, they don't seem to lose their distinction. Um, even as we, we see in Scripture in male and female, we, we know that we're one in Christ. Um, and Galatians three twenty eight and other passages show that there is, there is no, at that sense, distinction in our sex in our union with Christ and in our, our joint communion. But yet the Bible is also very clear about right. this is what men do and this is what women do. And we are called to do that. And so we don't, you don't, when you become a Christian, you don't cease being male. You don't cease being female. In the same way, you don't cease being African-American or European, Caucasian-American, whatever, 
you know, we are, or Scottish immigrant to America, that doesn't just go away. Um, and this isn't sort of unique, this conversation isn't unique or exclusive to the American church. Rob, maybe talk a little bit about some of the touch points you've observed as an immigrant and then also your background in, yeah. in Ireland. Yeah, I mean, I think that, let me just first of all preface it with this, that I think the very thing you're touching on, Russell, is I've and wrestled it from where I'm standing and my experience, is very often we do create these false dichotomies and we, we, we feel that we're forced to choose one or the other. When in actual fact, it's not either or, it's both and. And we have this propensity, I think, very often in theology or in politics or this whole discussion about ethnicity, we have this propensity that it must be just, there's only two options, you know. So it's either uh, we believe that we're all uniform, colorblind, or we're all so divided, there's no way we're going to, we, we stick to our division. But the gospel actually says no, unity and diversity, harmony and diversity, and, 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 and working that out for the glory of God. To your point, I totally agree with you, brother, that, you know, the, uh, the colorblind element, Though I sometimes when you hear someone talk about it, you kind of know what they mean. You've mm -hmm. got to parse out a bit, but you've got to help them to understand. Yeah, but recognize the danger. You know, this is a better way to express it and understand it. Right. What you're saying is I'm trying to not be prejudicial. Okay, but that's not the paradigm of image bearer worldview that you need to have. Yeah, deal with your prejudice, right? But recognize the glorious beauty of diversity. And then to your point, Steve, God and grace helping us to be harmonious but appreciate and enjoy actually right. the diversity that god has given to us as humanity for our creator has done this and i think you know even in, in, to the point you're pressing steve about northern ireland and, and growing up in scotland you know and i was just sharing this with you russell you know as i've, I've watched this and, and developed my and still developing my perspectives on this you realize that the human condition in its fallenness in its sinfulness, will manifest itself in different ways depending on the historic historical context, depending on the, 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 the context that people find themselves in. So for me, growing up in Scotland with the historical realities of the Protestant Reformation and the, all of that and the, and, the, and the fear of Roman Catholicism, and, and then when you take grace out of it and you're just left with a shell of the paradigm, then it becomes just prejudice between them and us. We are all white, but it's Catholic and Protestant. Right. And then I moved to Northern Ireland where I go to seminary. Uh, and, and yes, there is an ethnic element to it. There's the there's the, the, the Ulster Scot British person, and then there's the Irish Gale person. The only difference really between us is that some of them have got more red hair than others, but the reality is there is that. And then there, you throw into the mix the political aspiration, which for the large part of it in the Protestant community want to stay British and the Catholics want to be nationalist Irish in Northern Ireland we had the three realities you know we had the religious divide we had the ethnic divide and we had the political divide mm. and, and, and the reality is that it was ultimately prejudice of heart uh, with these aspirations of a materialistic perspective that created this serious problem and so when you look back and I just heard one of my friends in Northern Ireland who was at seminary with me, he's not in the ministry, but he's a dear brother, a very good thinker. He, he wrote to me privately about this whole thing and he said, Rob, whatever you can do, he says, learn from the mistakes we made in the 1960s, that we've got to be peacemakers and we've got to be reaching over the divide and we've got to be trying our best to make sure that we don't let it descend. Because what happened in Northern Ireland when 
the 1960s, and I know some people might even listen to this in Northern Ireland and I could get into trouble, but that's okay. Uh, I'm all all up for that. Is that in the 1960s, the Catholic community were not allowed to vote. The Catholic community were gerrymandered in their context. And there was all very much parallels. They took from the black civil rights movement in America, the song and the the idea we we want rights, civil rights. Well, the problem was that the Protestants in the North, in Northern Ireland, which was the, 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 the state created in the 1920s by Lloyd George and the English pragmatists, because they always like to carve it up in a certain way, a Protestant nation for a Protestant people. I mean, hardly the kind of place a Catholic's really going to feel very much at home in. Well, when the Catholics then said, hey, we want equal rights, we want to be able to vote, da, 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 the Protestant community said no. And what happened? Well, it devolved into a situation of 30 years of basically revolution and armed struggle and all the rest of it. Now, it is true, and I know we don't necessarily go there in this conversation, but it is true that the official IRA and the official nationalist movement that were more desirous to you know, have a united Ireland were somewhat hijacked by the provisional IRA who were much more Marxist ideologically to bring down the British state. Now, it's it's kind of over the years kind of been tempered and changed. And, of course, a big part of it is because the, the, the Catholic community now have been allowed to sit in power mm. and have some level of power. And there's a devolved power and there's more of a peace. You know, uh, that doesn't mean the fringe elements are not still crazy, but the large majority of people after 30 years of what we'd have to call bloody mayhem had just determined we have to find a peaceful solution to, 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 to coexist together. And I, I see the situation here, Russell, on a far bigger scale, of course, with a far worse, uh, you know, evil, if you want to call it that, although it's still evil that anybody doesn't get the vote, but when you go back to slavery and all the rest of it and the oppression of, of the blacks in America, uh, we have got to engage this issue mm-hmm. for greater peace in our community, greater harmony in our community. We've got to, as Christians, you know, we get onto the mission of the church maybe in a minute, but as Christians... Mm-hmm. If we are not concerned about this, well, we're blessed are the peacemakers. I mean, what does that actually mean? And that's that level, the, you know? you've touched on a good point. And when I say I don't have the right to demand that you understand my experience, the reason I share the article and the reason I get engaged in the conversation, because I don't think there's any getting past it until you understand these experiences, Correct. because I'm equipped to deal with it. I love you and I love the lost people that we're dealing with and I have to deal with the rage that comes from feeling mistreated. I have to process that and I'm equipped to do that. I have to aggressively think, how do I not teach that to my kids? And how do I, how do I love people who I'm not worried about anybody in our church having a conversation with me about race and saying the wrong word or, or that sort of thing. I'm a safe place to have that conversation, but I'm gifted by temperament and by God's grace and, and by him pouring his word into my life and mind to deal with that. I, I understand and not, I don't even know how to use the word um, without giving cover. There is no cover. There is no cover for the expressions of rage that we're seeing it. I don't know how to express that. I understand the heart and the, the attitudes from where it comes and 
without giving any cover in any the best I can and and trusting a good will conversation here I'm not giving any cover right. to it but I understand right. Right. where it's coming from and that's the that was the tears when I read the the yeah. Shy Lin and and I and I can always have conversations and share my experiences and say and I always try and get um, my white friends to say can you imagine if this were happening to you how you how you would feel and and if we can get to that point i'm well, not think, worried about the politics I, that comes yeah, after yeah. that if you get that then we're going to be but i think you great. raise a very good point there russell on this i know i appreciate brother your heart where you say you know you don't feel you, you know you're you're not can't command people to understand your speech. i appreciate that but we as christians i believe we're called to try to understand and to engage you in love and to hear you right so 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 the reality for me is i appreciate that you're not you know that's not and i know you because we're friends yeah. and, you know you don't make that demand I, I understand that but me to love you right in this particular cultural moment in america particularly mm -hmm. where i think part of the you can correct me if i'm wrong here of course yeah. i've got to be careful what you know yeah. but but when I think of the imagery of, I know you didn't watch the video. I think you said that you haven't mm -hmm. watched the full video. I watched the video, mm -hmm. right? And so trying to put myself the video in the, of George Floyd. Yeah, George, George Floyd's death, right? Mm -hmm. Watching that, I felt rage, right? Mm -hmm. So it was able for me to say, Russell, what must every African American person watching that feel? We did watch it, right? So as a Christian, right? Because, that, you know, we're, we're the same. We're our identity in Christ. We want our emotions to be, you know, subject to christ and to, to be honor honor in christ we have a responsibility though brother out of love this is what love looks like for us as white you know european american whatever uh to understand that and i think you know, what i've done in the last two weeks really honestly at night late at night i've been watching documentaries i've been reading stuff specifically to educate myself further in the black experience in America. You know, you know, I love history. Yeah, and, and I thought I've got a reasonable grasp of certain elements of history. Right. But I find, I find, well, I don't know. There's a lot I don't know. There's a lot I have not studied and researched. Even, even this week, finding that my wife, his name, her name is actually synonymous with one of the worst atrocities that ever happened to the black community in American history and in a place called Elaine, Arkansas mm -hmm. in 1919 where a lot of people mm -hmm. probably have never even heard of that. You can research mm -hmm. it for yourself. But I was, again, I found myself, Russell, so angered and I'm calm and collected because it's, it's you know, mostly detached from me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the scriptures talk about us having sympathy for one another, empathy for one another as Christians. We have a responsibility as believers in the Christian church to want to understand Russell and then be able to figure out what is gospel solutions to this because that's really the issue for all of us because we're all we all recognize Christ is our king and uh, how do we relate and we have to be willing to listen and learn and engage and ask questions things that we don't know I mean we, we are a lot more ignorant I believe than we actually realize places in scripture like considering others correct higher than yourself uh, the New Testament is replete with encourage these things one another to love and good right. works and maintain the unit the spirit and the bond of peace forbear with one another so why it involves, would we it assumes a certain level of absolutely. intimacy and knowledge it does absolutely does Steve yeah. when you when you and I, I agree with I agree with that when I say I can't demand it I think of it I, I found that a powerful word in this conversation on both sides is care right because um, 
because my sense is um, largely that uh, that the country hasn't cared that this has been going on, and that um, and when I say and that when I use that word purposefully because um, because if I if it's a multiple choice test, you're, we're all going to check the box and answer it right. But there are, there are things that matter that I don't care about. Um, and I, I could use, uh, I, there are, I don't know what the situation today in, in South Sudan is. I haven't checked mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. fate, but Christians are dying there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in one sense, on my list of things that I'm going to do and pray about and take action on and engage with. And I got to, I got to feel and emote and think and wrestle with the, the plight of those South Sudanese Christians is going to merit a certain place on the scale of how much I care. And for, for most Americans, um, the indignities that I've had to deal with in my life don't raise to the, level of I have to care. And, and I sense that that's largely, that's largely changing or not. It's changing in a meaningful ways. Um, and I think that's a, that's a durable thing that can, the the church can grow from and America can get better. There's something Rob, you mentioned about Northern Ireland is that it wasn't just a, you know, Protestant Catholic thing. You had ethnic political, national, ideological, you know, factors swirling around. And in the same way, it's the same is true today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have not just the issue of ethnicity or race, you have uh, politics, you have ideologies, you have all sorts of things that are sort of swirling around us in the midst of it, a lot of times unspoken or unidentified. Uh, so I, for example, have gone, you know, public, at least through social media and other conversations, that the Black Lives Matter organization is anathema to Christians because of all the other things that are explicitly at the front on the front page of its agenda, mm-hmm. and it's far more than equality for African Americans in 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 uh, the U.S. And you pushed back a little bit or wanted to qualify that, Russell, when we've talked. Um, would you expand? Maybe and you've touched on it, but expand a little more. Um, why should we think bigger than the Black Lives Matter organization and that website and and their their structure? when we look at what's happened over the last couple of weeks. Um, and the, I would point back sort of to the Shylin argument uh, or the, the, the sharing of his life experience um, because it's, there are situations that I think particularly men can relate to and easily put themselves in those circumstances and situations and imagine how they would feel and react to it. And that is the energy that when when uh, when George Floyd says, I can't breathe, that is a resonant theme in black life. It's a, it, it ties back to Eric Gardner, I can't breathe. It ties back to the experience of, of people traveling in Europe all the time where you don't have this American racial ethic. So you, you get on a bus, you I traveled in England and I go to the National Museum and there this pressure of race just doesn't exist. I can breathe. 
that theme and writing about that is just throughout African-American literature. It's not, it's a sense, it's something we all know what we're talking about. I've been black in 10 different states and in Spain for three years, six months in Germany. I've traveled the world. People react to my blackness different. Um, and, and there's different levels of pressure that I have to know and understand where I'm at. And, and, and that, that the plaintiff call that I can't breathe, um, that I can't breathe stuff is, um, is the, I don't know the phrase I'm using is moral weight. It's the energy. I can't organize. I can't order. It, it's hard to organize a hundred people to show up at the Capitol. Uh, I, I get, I get paid to do that. I get paid a lot of money to get a hundred people to show up, um, uh, to get a thousand to George Soros can't get hundreds of thousands of people um, in city in fifty states and and marching. There's no and and that has nothing to do with a platform on a BLM website. Um, that has to do with the lived experience that people are connecting to. That is is genuine and true and right. That we should be outraged about it. That's where I think the energy comes from. And I think if I want to oppose Black Lives Matter organization and entity, I can do that by rightly responding to the truth. And because there's nothing in, in, in those experiences that I need to associate with or defend and the church can speak to. And once, you've, once you disconnect from the, the, the experience that's creating the energy from the agenda, well, now you can, I, I don't, I mean, that's just a regular political argument that I can dispense with and sort of everything is, is locked and loaded to dispense with the argument. And I'd be surprised if we're not there next week. I expect, <laughs> I expect by Monday, um, the, the part that matters to those folks and, and others are a whole list of policy proposals that they want to, um, that they want to advance and, and we'll, we'll, we're the whole structure. Our political system is designed to advance the arguments against the policy proposals of the other side. Um, but for, for us, I think if we, if we, if we kind of compare the policy proposals to the experiences that the black people in our lives have shared with us or Shailen's article, and say, okay, what does this policy proposal, this bill idea, this law have to do with this circumstance or situation? It doesn't fix it. It doesn't change it. Um, the church has solutions that can bring about real reconciliation because we're united in Christ. We have, we're equipped and have the tools to be the peacemakers that the world so desperately needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's helpful, Russell. I think that you know that that was one of the things I think in Northern Ireland that was always a problem was the the church was largely, div- I mean, it was it was the Roman Catholic Church was on the side of the nationalists, the Protestant Evangelical Church was kind of split. The minority in this Protestant Evangelical Church could see, I think that we're politicizing the gospel here. This is not good. You're never going to reach Roman Catholic people with the true gospel of Christ. Mm-hmm wrapped in a British flag mm-hmm. um, and yet there were those particularly vociferous on the nat- the, the unionist side uh, you know Doctrine Paisley and all of that who believed they were defending uh, their, their political state within the British you know union and I think as a result of that uh, the conflict 
was fermented. It was kept going because people were afraid they were going to lose something. Mm -hmm. Something that they were not willing to lose uh, temporally. But they didn't have, I believe, the eternal perspective that we need to have as Christians that really borders are arbitrary. Ultimately, God, you know, we put certain borders and we draw them on a map. But humanity needs to, you know, understand how to relate to one another. And of course, we as Christians believe that's only possible truly when, when we face up to our own, you know, our own sinfulness and, and the sinfulness of our wider community. And I think that's where it really, right. it really, you know, even as I've studied this whole matter back and forward about, you know, the ideas of systemic racism and the history of America and where are we at today and what's on the books, you know, legally today. You know, we can, we know the law of God restrains sin, mm -hmm. right? But it can never convert the soul. Mm -hmm. Only the gospel, only Christ can truly convert the soul. So we've got these two elements going on. We've got the social realities of restraining a community that, if God took his hand off it, has the potential of being anarchy, which we've seen something of in recent days, uh, and the need for heart change, which is only possible through the meat, the preaching of the gospel. That we, we have the only message from our creator, his son, you know, his life, death, resurrection, preaching Christ to the heart. He's the only one who can change our hearts uh, to actually have lasting, genuine peace and reconciliation. So you've got this clash going on all the time. And the church's challenge is its mission must main, be maintained faithfully, but it maintains this mission in a crucible, like you were saying, Steve, where there are multi-elements going on, social, political, ethnic. You know, and so the challenge for us is keeping the main thing the main thing, but at the same time, Russell, not being deaf to the fact that communities are in trouble, you know, poverty is a reality, there are issues of hatred and bitterness going on that are creating divisions. We've got to try and figure out ways as Christians, not you know, individual Christians, you've got a role in society, we've all got mm -hmm. to relate to the sphere that we can influence, it's very limited, and the church is going to maintain clearly that sound message of, you know, salvation by grace. Well, a question for you guys, a question for you, uh, a statement and then a question, but the, are you confident in, in, if we looked over the last two years of church services, I look at that and say, you are equipping me to deal with an unjust society. I've got a right view of who God is, who I am. I've got uh, low expectations of lower expectations of what I deserve, um, and uh, and an understanding that justice isn't going to happen in this world, and a right response to the injustice, not to hate the person who's treated me unjustly, but think about how I can um, I can reach them. And so I look at all that and say, I have no idea if you were thinking of racial indignities in my life that equip me to you're lovingly teaching the word that equips me phenomenally well to deal with racism now now as we go deeper in relationship and you get to know right. who I am, we can work through it. You can better able to ministry if I'm struggling in an area or someone else is. But knowing these right. things, you can do. We can, but we can always still do better. Um, are you convinced that the ministry of the word 
and what the church is actually called to can speak to these these issues. Absolutely, I think we, I think it would be fair. I think we undoubtedly believe that Russell and are convinced that you know, what we want our people to be is Christ-like, mm-hmm. and all of our ministry to our people is you know making them disciples of Jesus and seeing them grow in grace. If they're properly appropriate in applying the things that the Word of God teaches regarding loving God and loving their neighbor, right. loving their enemies, they should be increasingly equipped to actually do that and learn. Of course, we make mistakes. Of course, we sin. Even in the process of that, as Christians, we're not we're not sinless. But that is our job as pastors: is to equip our people, to equip you to go up the capital and be the best Christian man you can be, applying wisdom in every scenario as you meet people from right across the spectrum, our, our school teachers, our mums in the, you know, in the community, whatever it might be, that is our calling as pastors primarily. Uh, I don't know that I would argue that it would necessarily be exclusively our calling in the sense right. we it's primarily what we're supposed to, Steve and I, spend in time seeking the Lord and ministering the word. And then as, as, as citizens, we all have different have spheres different, of yeah, opportunity. Yeah, we're, you and I have played yes. soccer together and right. mixed with a bunch of guys. Right, and, right. You know, um, I think, well, maybe I'll react to to a negative. There was a there's a well known celebrity pastor who put a little rant out on social media about that basically the protest movement is our church's inheritance and and if we don't engage it, we're we're basically all racists and, mm-hmm. and because you don't treat anything else this way was the accusation, and it caused me at least at first to pause. And several others have said something similar to me. Of, well, have you treated? abortion, same-sex marriage, sex trafficking, the same way you treat racism. I've looked back, and I haven't, you know, you know, combed through my manuscripts, but I think before God I can say, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think I've hit it when I can, when I should hit it. Um, and and uh, I was blessed to have a church member mention to me, I'm so thankful that you've been faithful to preach the word and that we've addressed this from the word in natural course and we don't have to play catch-up. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. that we actually have, we've talked about this. We've talked about slavery and, and racism and diversity from scripture. So this isn't like some, oh no, now we've got to, you know, check out of <laughs> right. and figure out what to say. What does the Bible say? Um, and and I think there is a lot in this conversation going on, at least among church leaders that are around. Okay, what is our purpose and mission as a church, and where can we we do best? And where is our post as officers and pastors in the church? Um, and, and so I think that. Being faithful in our our course of ministry and ministering the word is going to equip us. I think a challenge that I'm still in the midst of wrestling through uh, is the we are so attuned politically now. We're in a political age um, uh, that people react and respond to what you say assuming there's this broader political agenda behind it. Right, right, you right. You said this because now you're woke and social justice warrior. Right, right. You said this because you're a racist and you don't recognize your implicit bias. Like, and these kinds of back and forths, and like, no, I said that because that's what it says in Romans. That's why I said that. Um, and, right. Or these sorts of things. And, and just are losing the inability to yeah. to see that. And my fear then pastorally, not not paranoia, but then concern would be, okay, how that percolates into a congregation in our congregation mm-hmm. and preserving unity um, uh, within that kind of context right. that we have now and saying, no, we're called to respond to Christ and his word, right. regardless of the situation. 
And sometimes that'll look like this, and sometimes it'll look like this. It may look leftist over here from this angle, and it may look right over here from this angle, but, but we're just trying to be faithful to the Lord. Uh, I think that's massive, Steve, what you're pointing out, brother, and I think that we, particularly because of the role we have in our church, feel that probably the weight of that the most. And I think that as long as we're getting shot from both sides, we're probably doing something right at different points. Right. You know, so 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 I, I agree 100% that we're going to have people who are going to read us through the lens of the right and if we're perceived by them to be too much to the left, we're going to get hit. Then it will go the other way, right? We just have to be faithful Bible men, faithful men of the word. God is not a Republican or a Democrat, thankfully, by God's grace. Uh, you know, we're, 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 we see that, we understand that. I think that the challenge we're facing in our culture right now is that uh, we have, you know, this particular issue which to me, you know, as a, as a Brit coming in to the context, flabbergasts me at times that would even, you know, but, but realising the history of America, I recognise, you know, 345 years of mistreatment and 56 years of the Civil Rights Act, and even that 56 years, to your point, Russell, let's not pretend that it's never, that, that nothing, everything changed in mm -hmm. 1964. That's right. absolute nonsense. You know, just as it didn't change when uh, Lincoln made the proclamation, the Emancipation right. Proclamation. I mean, Took a while. We, 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 you know, it's, it's just ridiculous. But people don't think very deeply at that level. I think that a few things for me that have been floating around of recent days is, you know, you made a reference to the kind of rant about, you know, the, the, the present situation as a direct descendant of the civil rights issue. Um, whereas I, I would definitely debate that uh, to a certain point um, I do also think that what you're sort of finding particularly this is just my judgment and this maybe be really troublesome for some people in the Southern Baptist context I actually think there is a lot of white guilt in the Southern Baptist context for good reason because I think a lot of these guys actually when they were younger if the truth be told were actually Basically, they were racist. So, so you know, I don't have that, Russell, because right. I grew up in a different <laughs> country. So right. I'm not, I'm not letting them impute that to me. But if they want to confess their sins, I'm, that's okay. I'm, I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's great. But the problem is that they're trying to tell everybody else that that must be, you know, if anybody who's white in America has got to have this problem. Now, maybe Americans. A lot of us are immigrants. A lot of us have come in without that baggage. We're all looking around, going, "What's going on here?" Right. But then that's where I've had to educate myself in the history and understand, ah, there is, you know, there's a history here that we now, you know, if you want to call it, I'm an American citizen. I inherit at one level now, so I've got to educate myself in it so that when I'm going to speak to it, I actually am empathising and not a clanging sound that I'm not any connection to history. So, you know, I'm reading, you know, Abernathy's book right, right. now, When the Walls Came Tumbling Down. Mm -hmm. I feel at times I'm sitting in the room with him and Martin Luther King <laughs> and I'm listening to the conversations as he... I like his reading, his writing style is very, very yeah. interesting. But I need to educate myself, Russell, you know, and, and, and I, because I want to understand it. But as a, as a Christian minister, I, I'm, you know, 28 years in the pastoral ministry and, you know, I, I'm not here to prove anything other than be faithful to Jesus. I'm willing to take the hits you know, sometimes I'll miscommunicate, so I need to correct that. But I'm willing to take the hits from either side. You know, we are gospel men. We are Christian men. The King is our, the Lord Jesus is our King. So to your point, Steve, we have to be okay with getting hit from both sides. And we've got to steer our people towards glory mm. and help our people depoliticize where it's unhelpful. But recognize, too, they are citizens in America and they're going to have to make choices at the ballot box that they're going to have to work through. Um, and 
that's perhaps where our bigger tension comes sometimes. How do we do that? I, my attitude is you, you teach the Bible and you leave it to their own conscience before the Lord. And that's what you hopefully Maybe teach on them, that you know. Point, what are, I mean, that was my reaction when I first read, you know, George, uh, uh, not George Floyd, but Shailen's article about George Floyd and me was that some of these experiences um, are so uh, outside the realm of any person's control, right? We're talking mm-hmm. about these cultural impulses. And, and when it first cued into me, uh, I don't remember what point in my life, what you mentioned earlier, Russell, that, you know, African-American friends saying, you know, it's completely different when I leave the country. And there's a, mm. a whole different environment, just the air. And, and how, how do we... And there's different policy uh, at the policy level. There's conversations going on in our nation. Of course, we're concerned as a community of Christians, as a church. How, how do how do we look at those things? Um, should we feel any sense of personal responsibility that that there's a there's a black twelve year old who gets ushered out of a shoe store, you know, because he's lingering too long to decide what shoe to buy? Um, how are those kinds of just really heinous um, interactions? you know, the average Christian, what's my call there other than just being a light and the kingdom's coming and this life stinks sometimes? Is there more to it than, than that? I, I, I don't think so. And is my, is my conclusion, and I, I've been hesitant to even talk or engage about the solutions because uh, we're in a moment where people are still trying to figure out what's going on. And that's so important because I think that if you understand what's going on, that's the path to fixing it is that you need to know me and my experiences so that you can see me as an individual ultimately. And that is the path to telling people that's nonsense. How can you apologize for corporate sin? Which is not the same thing as saying, that was in the past, there's nothing there, you need to move on. Well, hold on, mm-hmm. hold on. I, 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 I drove my, we, we, we went to, we went to, uh, Yellow, we went to Yellowstone. We rented an RV in Salt Lake City. Um, and there's, I don't know, I'm bad at geography anyway, but there's a stretch of road just outside the park. We stopped for gas to fill up the RV, kind of the last one before the before the station or whatever. Big stretch of road. We go in, we park, and I go into this small gas station, and they had an ice cream scoop on the kids' road trip. Um, I ordered ice cream, and two teenage girls work in the counter. Our, our nerd, like one girl sensed it, what am, what am I supposed to do? Just get them the ice cream. Just get them the ice cream. You know, and the girls start scooping the ice cream, and, and, then two guys are stopping and she's the other girls making eye contact with the guys in the store. They stop shopping. They're looking. This is now a a tense experience. The girl is embarrassed. Clearly I see what's going on here. And, uh, and, um, I get my kids around and, uh, and then a third person that shopping stops and they're looking, watching this transaction. So, I get the ice cream cones. My kids are, the gas is filling up. My kids sit down and are enjoying that as I've passed out the ice cream cones. And now I'm having a, a an eye contact conversation with these three guys who have stopped as my kids are eating the ice cream cones. And I don't want them to know anything about the transaction that just happened. I paid 
my 12 bucks for ice cream. I'm not hurrying my kids out of the store. Eat your ice cream. The gas is full. Okay, we've had enough. Let's go back to the car. I'm very not. Have a good day. Go back to the car. And now I have to get the kids in the car. And I got to start the, the RV and I got to drive on the road. And my wife asked me what took so long. And I've got to I've got to navigate that conversation. And I'm not going to ruin my right. road trip or my trip to thing. I'm not going to. Exp- I don't need to teach my kids something that may not be a part of their life at all. And I I wouldn't. I didn't comment on this on the Shylin stuff, but um, I'm very hopeful that my kid won't be able to write those stories. Right. That my kids right. won't right. won't be able to write those stories. But I have to father. You know, a kid who who who's who's really fast and and uh, and gets called darky at a Christian school, mm-hmm. or or we're playing little league and his sister hears uh, um, who's the who's the fast black guy in center field. He's not the fast guy. He's the fast black guy, and or his accomplishments are diminished because he's black. I gotta I've got to navigate those things. Those are just. Those are just realities. Okay, you understand what what bill is going to fix that? What law is going to fix right. that? I don't right. need you to right. I don't need you to do anything there. I just need you to not deny that that's that, that those things are a reality right. and yeah. I see that might be yeah. a challenge and I can understand I've been pulled over 40 times driving around Midtown. I've gotten tickets for dim taillights. I've gotten tickets for the trailer hitch on a pickup truck obscuring my license plate. I mean, those things have implications or ramifications that ripple through through life. And just understanding that, I think, is, is the path forward. I don't need... Uh, for me, yeah, you're not looking for pity and a, and, a, and a crass kind of way. You're just yeah. saying, "Hey, guys, just be honest. This is life for me. Right. This is how I experience right. it. All I'm asking is that you don't, don't deny, deny it. it. Yes, that's it. Which, because me, now which, I got to fight with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you're not talking about it, you're allowed yeah. to ignore it. Absolutely. And I can just live and it, my life. And it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Too, Ross, you know, my, my limited experience, obviously, in this whole context. I mean, I've, you know, I've been to Baltimore twice walked up through Upton where the riots were, right? Mm. I was one of two white guys in the street, right? And and I was like, well, this is very interesting to me. Now, I was with a bunch of Christian guys, and but I was I was like, this is not Sacramento. Sacramento, maybe, you know, maybe Oak Park, maybe, right, right. You know, but, 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 you know, even even Joe, one of our elders, who's a, who's a black guy, you know, his experience, he's never been stopped by the police in Sacramento. Right. You know, and so the challenge being is just relating to one another with integrity and honesty and, and seeking to understand each other. And to your point, not denying your experience and his experience and Shai Lin's experience. He's from Philadelphia, you know, in that inner city context, which for a lot of white guys who live in suburbia, we're as ignorant of reality in that regard as, you know, not denying it, but actually hearing that. My wife read it to me in the car the other day. And we were both just so sad when we read it at one level, but we had no doubt it's true. Right. Like, I'm, not, right. I'm not sitting there going, oh, this is exaggerated. Right. I'm like, no, I'm, I've met Shailan, right? He's a right. genuine Christian. Bro. And I was grieved. Right. But I don't deny for one second that's his experience. And the, and that's when no when as we interact with people around the church, being African and American, being African and in America is not the same thing as being 
right. African-American. Right. Right. Um, no, right. um, male and female Massively is totally different. different. Yeah. And, yeah. and the experience yeah. of, and I've talked to, I've talked to Steve a little bit about this before, but um, everyone processes and digests this differently. Right. And so that uh, I know, I know people, you know, to the degree that nobody cares or it's a non-issue to come to church and my blackness not matter because people are not thinking about it or talking about it, that it's a, it's, it's an oasis for, for a lot of people that they'd rather maintain, <laughs> you know, that they'd rather not be, they don't want to go to a racialized church. They go to a, a Christ exalting church. And, and for me, this is a non Thing. This is not that important in my life, and so I don't. I wouldn't say disrupt that. I wouldn't want to disrupt that. For everybody's context is going to be a little different, and that's part of treating people as individuals, right. yeah. not as an undifferentiated mass. Right. And that, right. and and to the degree there's there's different political responses to it, and, and that sort of thing. If we if all we take from it is um is understanding these realities and seeing that life looks and is different uh for people based on the color of their skin and, and grieve that that's the case mm-hmm. that may be all that's required right. a, or that's the that's all we can do at this point and um and 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 move on and there may be other people or situations where thing more action is or less is required but mm-hmm. uh, or possible but uh, i just i trust i trust the lord and and christians to deal with that if we processed it rightly and taken advantage of this moment to to understand it a little better then then we'll be better off in, in other words in many ways we we have what well, we do have the resources that god has given us in the church just as christians obviously he created his church and is building his church to be an international communion uh, around Mm -hmm. the world and so dealing with difference is not something that is sort of foreign to the New Testament (laughs) Right, Uh, Right. it comes up you know several times Um, and while the context of the African American and white experience is to put in those polarities in the US is unique from Jew and Gentile uh, there are enough similarities where the applications and the um, concerns about um, you know seeking to serve one another and understand one another not make one another stumble all those things we see in the scriptures we have the resources with the power of Christ to deal with these things as a church and and then focusing our lives in that new community that God is building we are embassies of the future uh, uh, that's coming and uh, um, and spending our time on that and praying for fruit that then percolates out as as Christians are being discipled in their churches uh, they grow into better uh, voters, decision makers, engagers, right. yep. influencers in the in the society. I think one thing that grieves me is I see pastors, in my opinion, um, exchanging their job for another one while staying pastor. <laughs> right. um, is that you're you're actually now just going to be bad at two things? Now you're a bad pastor, and you're going to be a terrible politician. And so now we just now you're a, a you're a, you're right. a nil for your contribution, contribution. versus it's actually negative, not yeah. nil. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. We've got two bad jobs. Yeah. And we're not good at either of them, and it's right. bad for us. And, and a lot of times, I yeah. think some of the consternation we're seeing amongst churches is really just exposing bad ecclesiology, yeah. bad pastoral theology, bad doctrine and teaching. And now when we have a crisis. The, because it's superficial and been poorly done, now the, now now we're hemorrhaging 
because right. we haven't even shorn ourselves up right. with these things. And so in many ways, when we talk about this, it sort of takes down the temperature when we realize we have the resources. To, I have the resources to love a brother in Christ, Russell, and understand mm-hmm. being a white man that being a black man is different in America, and maybe I can think through that. Right. Um, that's not a any different, really, than in many other ways I'm called to engage my other brothers and sisters in the right. Lord. Yep. Yeah, and I think I think that that's a really important point for us to recognize is that when we become Christians, you know, and a lot of what you've said, Russell, the reason you're the kind of man you are is I know you, and you know, you've been a Christian for quite a number of years, mm-hmm. now, and, and grace has helped to you know work through right. issues in your life. But it's not grace doesn't eradicate your identity as a black man. Right. Grace transforms Forms your identity it. as a black man, and exactly. so so you're able to you know you're not going to deny the kind of experiences that you've had, but you're going to interpret them through the through the lens exactly. of the word God. And so that helps you in terms of the temperament of your heart. It doesn't mean you're not angry or disgusted or appalled. And even some of those things are not sinful, right? Those things are what you would expect a righteous man should. But then your response verbally, relationally, is, is governed by what you know that Christ calls you to even if it is in the face of an an injustice or maltreatment or whatever. And I think to your point, Steve, that one of the things that troubles me about the present crisis we're in is not so much the culture, because I don't have a high expectation of a lost world, really, I mean, at at one level. Uh, My concern is the immaturity of the church. And I think the immaturity of the church is manifested in a couple of ways. I think there's the immaturity of the church where, on the one side, there can be white Christians who just basically think it's... The black experience doesn't matter, and who cares? Which I think is immaturity and love, right? And then on the other side, there's the idea: well, we've got to buy into everything that's getting sold to <laughs> yes. us from the world. Yeah. Right. That's immaturity. The world the solutions are right, are and, and we're going to take the analytical tools of the world, and we're going to we're going to be able to help to. That's foolishness, in my judgment. But then on the other side, you know, to your point, Russell, you know. I bless God for the African Americans, the black folks that are in our church, right? Mm. All, and and, and you're, a, you're a pretty diverse bunch. You know? yeah. You've, not got, yeah. you've not got identical experiences. Right. But I bless God for that because I see the maturity of grace in your ability to even at times endure the blundering around the here, white brothers and sisters who don't always get it, but to bear with and to love. And to me, those of us who are, you know, maybe a bit more understanding of these things, although I've got a long way to go in my understanding, but We've got to also model, Steve, as, as pastors, white pastors, how we should be talking about the subject and modeling how we need to engage the subject biblically, mm-hmm. uh, theologically, in, in, in this particular moment. Um, and, and, I, and I think that that's my bigger concern is that the church has over the last, I don't know, 50 years, let's say 40 years, I don't know, uh, has, has, has really left off. Uh, it's deep theological paradigms, it's deep biblical understanding, and allowed the world's philosophies to seep in uh, at, at the seminary level, at the mm. at the level of pastoral ministry. And to your point, as a result, there are men who have the name pastor, but they're more like social workers or community workers or politicians. Well, they should just go and do that and stop, mm. you know, stop clogging up the ministry and be honest about that. And and then there's others who think this is what pastoral ministry is uh, and have departed from the scripture so the challenge for us is we desire to see the church be faithful is talking into that context right now so that the gospel is uh, the foundation that it governs all of us 
How do I relate to Russell and hear Russell? How does Russell relate to me and hear me? How do we look at our lost society? And to your point, solutions. I mean, you know, bottom line is there's lots of people getting paid for a lot of solutions that just ain't working. Right, right. right? And we we actually <laughs> can point people. It's a rare occasion. No, nothing else comes to mind where the church and our society today agree on a sin. Right. Like, and and for me, for my ears, I because I'm listening to Christians, choke on agreeing with the culture. Wait a minute. They never get it right. Yeah. They're right this time. And now you're choking. I know a God right. agrees with me that discrimination and racism is wrong. They're declaring it and you're choking on it. Yeah. That's, yeah. you're heading to Google to find out what this organization is and what, you know, their website says instead of just, you don't have to do that. Just take the opportunity and now they don't call, they don't use the right words. They don't call it sin and they don't have the right solution. They've got some bill ideas that guess what are going to make the sin worse. Yeah. I mean, there's some language in the, in the, I'm not going to go. There's some language in the California constitution that if you read it you say, that's, that's pretty good. And, and, in response to the injustice, they're going to change the language in the Constitution. Mm. And it's, I don't want to go off, it, but the solutions and political problems are—they don't—they'll have bad answers. Um, but if they're saying something is sin, if God agrees with them, let's call it what it is and offer our solution. And I think if we did that more clearly, I think you guys are can and are have been and, and should be leaders in that because you do it with uh without reservation i don't have any you don't have any resistance saying what the bible says about these things because mm. you don't have any sort of political allegiance to a consequence right that you're right. that you're concerned about um there is there is a anyway there as a pastoral issue there is there are people who can draw an audience by resisting the political element of blm that can that can draw a constituency um in not affirming the value of black lives and in doing so create a uh a following a following right. and then use that and to I create saw a that, following. see that that parallel is there in the history of northern ireland that parallel is there right and and and, and the the democratic unionist party was Ian Paisley's political wing of uh, the pro, of the Ulster of the free yeah, the hardcore where the right. where the well, where the pure but what, but what happened was it was held together by his personality. Uh, so when he died, right, the DUP as they're called, they're still in they're still in power over there. They went a direction. The church of which he was the moderator for years split because you had more the politicized group, and then you had the more spiritual group, and the spiritual mm-hmm. group were never happy with the politicized part. But they went along with it because they didn't have the they were in the, the, the power to, to change it. Uh. But now that group has gone more has resorted back to the Bible and back to biblical focus of what the church is. But to your point, Russell, you can within religious context, within Christian context, mm-hmm. gain a following by attaching yourself to a political element that will draw from society that constituency right. and i totally agree with that and, and recognize that's that's going to happen here it's already happening right right and we have to as christians recognize uh the danger of that right 
and we've got to figure out how we navigate this hour faithfully so that I, I do think this is an opportunity mm-hmm. to bring the gospel to bear on a situation in our culture that actually will show the incoherence of so many of the other yeah, arguments that these right. people make that are politicised. But we have we if we don't say, thus saith the Lord, here it is, we lose the moment. Well, okay, we know God's sovereign, but we're not hyper-Calvinists. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, and that's the challenge for us is speaking into it. So, you know, not being afraid to say black lives matter, right? right? Not responding with, all lives matter because we haven't quite worked out what we're saying right. and what we're doing. But at the same time, not be afraid to also say BLM has got significant things for us as Christians that we would actually preach against and call them to repentance from, from. Um, right. and, and, and have a desire in some ways as Christians not to be afraid to still engage. I think the danger for us is the, the, the failure to engage. If, right. we, if we don't engage in this hour, I wonder will we live to regret that? Well, the way I believe Northern Ireland lived to regret it all those years ago. Well, I can tell you, I can guarantee you um, that that's not happening based on um, the the outpouring of Christians engaging with the subject. Um, uh, I I w- I want more voice, more good voices on the on the. Uh, opposing the racism side because um, because you don't want the church voices to be the 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 people who have bad theology who are who are not quite going BLM they're just but they're trying to attach to that and they're and they're a pragmative middle and and they're not they're not willing um, they're not willing to use the biblical categories and they don't have the sound theology. And so a lot of the people who are opposing embracing BLM that have the good the- have solid Bible backgrounds and they're using their voice to say why that's bad without affirming right. the rightness of what the world is saying as far as racism. Um, and just, I call it a, they're just, it's a holy huddle over here of just talking to each other. Um, and it, it, it's failing to engage the, the fullness of the opportunity, which is just, just agree with what God has to say on this and speak, um, speak authoritatively. It seems like, um, as a as opposed to affirming the value of black lives, what's more important is, is the opposing the correct the, the BLM, BLM. Right. that and and the way I the way I express it on social media is yes it's very clear to me that you hate BLM yes it's very clear to me that you hate looting yes it's very important very clear to me if I look at your communications that uh, you support the police why can't you communicate in a way that's saying it's very it's clear to you? Clear, clear, more clear. More clear. Racism. Ra- racism. I'm just looking. If you can communicate clearly all those other things, you don't feel hesitant in communicating yeah. all those things. You shouldn't be hesitant about hating this. I know God hates it too. You can do this. Just yeah. and and there's a political loss to doing that, or the sense that there's a political loss to doing that because it's so easy for whoever's going to be more strident than you right. to accuse you of somehow capitulating, sliding. sliding. Oh, yeah. they're, right. they've caved. You're not hardcore. Yeah. Well, yeah, that brings it back to Steve's point, doesn't it, Russell, yeah. about the fact that, you know, if, uh, you know, he and I, say we put up an, a very clear anti-racist 
statement, which we should absolutely are equivalent. It's ridiculous yeah. that we shouldn't. That we recognise as a constituency within the evangelical world that might look at us and say, ah, oh, they're caving. Yep. They're caving. <laughs> right? Um, whereas if we were to then stand up and say, hey, riots are wrong, looting's wrong, the protests have been hijacked, oh, see, you guys don't really believe that the protests are legitimate and there's a real issue, right? right. So that's the that's the challenge that we face. And I, I think for us, one of the main things for me is is my, my main passion and heart is I can't fix DC. I can't fix Philadelphia. I want to know what to do in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. I want to know how to make a difference in Sacramento where God has placed our congregation well, in uh, this time. Pressing you know? that further, you can't fix Sacramento. No, of course. We can, we can, we but can influence it. Yeah, we can shepherd our congregation. Be a light. And then praying yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. for our church to bear fruit. Right. And I think that's where, you know, sort of winding this down, and, and I know where we all land, is that the, God has given us as a church right. the... The to be the mouthpiece for His Word, and we Amen. do have Amen. the only answers. I mean, the 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 irony is in the materialist worldview that many on the streets today, if they don't profess, they practically believe has no basis for believing in equality. <laughs> right, right. If we all evolve, there's no reason to say we're right. all the same. Right. Right. Um, and it's only by the declaration that we're made in God's image as right. image bearers can we say, therefore, we all have dignity and value of of, of equal worth uh, throughout the world. Um, regardless of our ethnic backgrounds. And then obviously, too, we have the only answer in dealing with uh, sin. And well, how, what do I do with my anger? What do I do with my guilt? There's no, no answer, answer on the streets of America for that. <laughs> right. No legislation. It's right. going nowhere. It's, right. it's just yep. going either dominance of one over the other or right. just endless sorrow and a cycle right. That, right. that repeats itself with, without end. Yeah. Uh, we have the only answer in the gospel That's of right. Christ. That's and right. then we're called then as our community, as a church, to demonstrate that. We, right. we are, the church is a very much a political organization. It's just the politics of a, di- a different age. And we are to live that out uh, before our world so that the words that we give have plausibility. Mm-hmm. And that's not pie in the sky nonsense. No, once you come on Sunday, well, you can't come this Sunday, but once you're able to come on Sunday, <laughs> I can, you know, introduce you and show you, you know, how, how what this looks like um, and, and, and our calling in the midst of it. So what well, you're saying to us, Steve, is, we as the church must keep on keeping on with the gospel, no matter what's going on. And, but we've got to learn how to make the applications yeah, for the time that we live in. Right. And, and, and believe in what Paul says, you know, we're not ashamed of the gospel, but it is the power of God unto salvation right. to mm-hmm. everyone that believes. And not lose heart and lose sight of that when our society is in turmoil. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah amen. Well, brothers, thank you for this conversation. It's uh, longer than our usual, but uh, I think will be, I hope, helpful to our church and to anybody else who listens to it. And we'll have to have you back again, Russell. We want I want to do the uh, um, pastors with bad job descriptions. <laughs> right. so, we'll, we'll see that up. Yeah,